number four, setting this up. While I was preparing, one of the things I would say this before, because it's only spirit and lady in my heart to say this. Now, this let's talk about Jesus' ministry is something that I personally, as an individual, I, I am in full support of it. And I will tell you why I am in full support of it. Whenever God gives anybody a vision to do what you are doing right now, in heaven's calendar and agenda, you are not the only person that God has given the similar kind of vision. But heaven is waiting for the person that will actually run with the vision. And do you know why it's critical what you're doing is because if you don't run with it at a time, there's timeliness in obeying the instructions of God. If you don't do it, somebody else will actually do it. And you may find out that you will eventually sit down and you have to listen to somebody else doing what God has laid in your heart to do. And that's why I'm in full support of this. And I want to encourage anyone that is watching this to follow on the social media platform. Let's talk about Jesus Ministry on Facebook, Instagram. You will have a defined content. And anything that talks about Jesus is actually talking about how to live as a Christian. There is nobody that can live as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, that we ignore Jesus and we'll be able to live correctly as a child of God. Jesus gave us like a template on how to live, how to relate with God. For example, um, the prayer, the lost prayer. You know, it was the disciples of Jesus that came to meet him, say, teach us how to pray as John taught his disciples. So they've been watching him the way he has been praying. They've been observing him. They will see him a great while before the day. He will have gone to pray. He will pray throughout the night and all of those. So they've been observing and they didn't know how to do it. So they had to, at a particular day, they had to call him to say, master, teach us how to pray so that we will not just be watching you. We'll be able to pray as well. That was what battered the lost prayer that we pray. And you see the way he spoke, he started with the lost prayer. He's so significant. The lost prayer started, our father what in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's very critical for us to know that the highest level of relationship with God is at the level of our father. Our father what in heaven, God is the creator of everything, but he is not a father to everyone. He's not the father to everyone. He's the creator. And that's why the Bible tells us that he gives rain and the sun to the just and the unjust. So he has that responsibility to everyone that he has created. So when rain falls, both the wicked and the just, they enjoy the rain, they enjoy the sunlight. But for God to be your father is a level of relationship. You know, he said something. He said, you that you are wicked, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more shall your heavenly father good give the Holy Spirit to his children? So it is only God's children that can have the Holy Spirit. He already told us that. So you see many, many things that Jesus told us how to live as a correct disciple of Christ. So I had a dilemma of choosing 10 because everything, as I was checking and trying to remind myself, the Holy Spirit will bring another one to me and I thought I began to, but I tried 
I try my best and I hope you will forgive me if my favorite ten is not your own favorite ten. You know. So number one, let me start. Luke chapter six, verse thirty-one. Luke 36, 31. It's just a compilation of some of the famous saints of Christ. And I try to take these ones because after we are saved, like I usually tell people, after we are saved, we, if God does not want us to relate with people on earth, he doesn't want us to do anything on this earth, immediately he saved us, he will have taken us away. So there's something called the gift of righteousness and there's something called right living on it here. You have to relate to people. We meet people on our way to work. We, meet, we have colleagues at work. We have colleagues in school. There's the right living. There's the right communication. There's the right conversation that we must have with these people. And the Bible also tells us in 1 Timothy 4, 12, let no one despise your youth. Be an example of a believer in conversation. So when you are talking to people, there is a way to talk. There is a way to relate. And there is no better person that knows how to answer people than Jesus Christ. So it's very critical that we know how to respond when we are boxed in the corner or when we are we need to relate to people, present mm-hmm. Christ to the, to the world. You know, look at this first one, Luke 6, 31. Do you want to read for us, please? Yes, yes, sir. It says, and and just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. This is called the golden rule. We have heard it before. The golden, this is an admonition from Jesus to people, especially believers. But it's for everyone. Everyone has a way. There's a, there's a natural need of every man. The need to be loved, the need to be accepted, and the need to be celebrated. So if you feel the need to be loved by people, that means you have to give love to people as well. So he said, do to others the way you want them to do unto you. It's called the golden rule. What set this statement apart from the statement of other teachers throughout history is this positive framing of Jesus' command and a call to show goodness towards other people. is a core teaching for every believer. You must show goodness to people. Whatever you want to receive from men, you also have to give it out to people. So you have to give love to receive love. Whatever I said, whatever me- measure you meet to others, it shall be measured unto you again. So this is the golden rule that Jesus gave to us. Do to others what you want them to do to you. Every believer and everyone around the world must abide by this golden principle. So we live our daily lives by ensuring that we give what we want to receive from other people. I have a question, sir. Yes, sir. Good question. So, um, scripture, actually, yes, a scripture said that we should not be, we should not grow weary in doing good, but yes. at the end we shall reap if we faint yes. not. So, sir, yeah. some people do to others, but others don't do to them the same way. So what, like, like, what would you like tell those people that, you know, they are doing the right thing to others, but, but there's no reciprocation from others. So how do you? All right, first of all, you need to know that when it comes to goodness, goodness 
is one of the fruit of your spirit. That God. So it's, it means it's rooted from in nature. It's coming from the Holy Spirit as our source. Now, when the Bible tells us about when people see good and they don't get the same thing from people, it's because our focus is on people and our expectation is towards, mostly towards people. Now, one thing that we must establish is this. Whenever you do any form of kindness or goodness to people, you must first of all remove your eyes and expectation from men. Most times, whatever you show kindness and goodness, you don't sometimes repeat from the same place. You may repeat in another place and from another person. You must take away your eyes from men whenever you do goodness. Look at what the Bible says. He that gives to the poor is lending to God. And the God that is lending to will recompense him later. So when people feel like that, it's because our expectation of our goodness is coming from men. You must take away your eyes from men. It's a fruit of the spirit. It's not something that you are doing so that people can help you. You give money so that this person, particular person can give you something in return. That is already defeating the purpose of what Jesus is saying, saying here. Okay, what Jesus Christ is focusing on here right now is that whatever goodness you are doing is stemming from your, the, for the nature that you have received in Christ. So whenever you do any kindness or goodness, take away your eyes from men because men are fallible, men are forgetful. Men can even disdain what you, have, what you have done to them. So you must take your eyes away from people. And that's the reason why you must keep looking to Jesus. Jesus said, the Bible said, in due time, Christ died for the un ungodly. When Christ was dying and was laying his life, he was laying his life for those that hated him. So if you take away your gaze from men and you fix your gaze on Jesus, when people do things to you that is not reciprocal of what you have done, you are not offended. You will be offended if your expectation is and your expectation of goodness is from men. Take away your eyes from men and you will never be disappointed. Yes, men are vulnerable. Yes, yes and also the Bible says that when you give, give like see that do not do not let your 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 right hand know what your left hand is doing. I will also say that you know that whatever we do, we should do it as unto Christ and not for men. Yeah. Now, if yeah. we do it that way, it doesn't matter if men like um, do the same to us. We are looking for Christ for us, like oh, we're looking or looking unto Jesus to give us our reward, and not from men. Yeah. Yeah. I understand now. Thank yeah. you, sir. So you want me to continue? Yeah, number two, sir. Number two, Matthew 5, 44. It's one of these sermons on the mount, first teachings of Jesus Christ. That's Matthew 5, 44, which is a very, very core teaching of faith for every mm. believer. Okay. Because it doesn't come naturally. It's something that is difficult for people to reconcile with. Do you want to read that for us? It says, but I say to you, Love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. This is a very, very difficult thing to do as a natural man. Even under the law, under the laws of Moses, there was allowance for you 
to actually retaliate and revenge when people do, do anything wrong for you. It was accepted under the laws of Moses, okay? But now Jesus comes to the scene and tells you to love your enemies. Nobody can love their enemies naturally, no. It makes sense in the secular world for somebody to do, to do especially in the, in the times and seasons that we live in. I'm sure you have heard of cancel culture. Cancel culture whereby if anybody does anything, you just cancel them out, you, you, you know, you delete them and all of that. But it negates the teachings of Jesus Christ. The teachings of Jesus Christ tells us to love our enemies tells us to pray for people that persecute us, people that hate us. And I'm saying this because I know it is difficult to actually keep loving people. It's easier to love people that love you back. It's easier to do good to people that do good to you back. How do you do it so that you keep showing kindness and love to people that obviously hate you and persecute you? It doesn't make sense. But Jesus Christ is telling us this. And how do you do this? God will not place a demand on what he has not invested in. If he has not given us the capacity to do it, he will not place a demand on us to do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So if it tells us be ye perfect, even as your heavenly father is perfect, in Matthew 5, 48, it means he has given us everything that he has made provision for our perfection. God is not a tax master that he will tell us to do something if he has not given us the capacity to do it. So he knows we want to do it, but as our natural man, our flesh, that wants to fight against the instructions of Jesus. And that's why he's telling us, do good to everyone. We know to do good. We know the good to do, but we are always in that kind of situation. Uh, there's a struggle between the flesh and the spirit. How do I continue to do good consistently without getting something in return, we want to give up. But Jesus said, love your enemies. He tells us something that we will not naturally do. And he knows that with the help of the Holy Spirit given to us, we'll be able to do this. So what he commanded Israel, do not see, look at Leviticus 19, 18 says, God commanded the Israelites, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but to love your neighbor as yourself. God told them in Leviticus 19 verse 18, for I am the Lord. From this, the Jews erroneously inferred. Listen, that was the instruction. They erroneously inferred that God commanded us to love others that only among our people. That's what they thought. So they thought that only people that are Jews like myself, are the people I should do goodness to. Anyone that's not a Jew, I kill them, I destroy them. That was their interpretation. But in Jesus' time, he was a Jew himself. What did he say? God's people, particularly the Pharisees, the custodians of the law, anyone that is not a Jew, they destroy them. And in the time of Jesus, the Pharisees and the Samaritans were sworn enemies. They didn't have anything in common. They didn't have anything to do. Remember the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. She was surprised that Jesus would come and speak to her because the Jews and the Pharisees were 
they hated one another. So Jesus came and told them, he expanded the nation, loving one's neighbor, and included outsiders. To them, their neighbor is somebody living beside them that is a similar Jew. But your neighbor is not somebody living beside you. Anyone that you can show kindness to, that you can see, whether a Jew or Gentile, Greek, anyone, you love them with the love of God. Okay. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you very, very much, sir. Nice. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll read again. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who... And also, sir, I'm not like... Like Jesus Christ, like like you said, that actually, I think I wrote it down here on my notes, that it says, um, so, yes, so God will not place a demand on what he, he, he has not himself invested in. So... So Jesus Christ, if you are looking for an example, Jesus Christ, when he was on the cross, he was saying, Father, forgive these people for they don't know what they're doing. He was praying for those who, like, hated him, like, who did all manner of evil against him, he still loved them. So, so, so he, Christ, our standard is our, is our example and uh, he's someone that we must follow. So, amen, hallelujah. Thank you, sir. You know what happened in that place is that, Looking through the three and a half years of Jesus Christ, every believer must listen to Jesus to be able to live correctly. The way Jesus responded to situation, he was showing us an example. God is like a, a father that he knows that people cannot know him as God Almighty like that. We cannot really know him because he's God, he's perfect, he's righteous, he's complete and everything. So people can make an excuse for the way God is showing love to us based on who he is. But because he wanted us to be able to relate, he had to send Jesus to us. Jesus came in the likeness of a man. He slept, he ate, he was hungry, he cried. Every expression of, of man, he went through it. He was a son of a carpenter. He had to be so submissive to his parents. He had to go through all of that so that people will not say, oh, it's just God. So that's why he can do what he did. No, he was mad. He was tired. God is never tired. He's never weary. Jesus was tired. He slept on the boat. God never slept nor slumber. So Jesus had to, God had to come in the form of a man, in person of Jesus, and he lived within men to be able to show us this is the way I want everyone I want to call themselves a Christian to live. This is the way to re respond. This is the way to behave in every circumstance. You remember the story of the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. The law was against the woman. The law of Moses was against the woman. But Jesus came to what? Establish the law that now that I've come, I have come so that people can be saved. There is no, there is no joy in stoning that woman and she died in her sin. There's no joy in that. There's no rejoicing in heaven. But the woman, God, Jesus spoke to the woman and said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more for every believer. Why do we do evangelism? If people have been condemned. No, we are, Doing evangelism because we know for God so loved the world 
that whosoever believes in him will not die, will not perish, will no longer be condemned, but they will have eternal life. So that's what Jesus was trying to teach us in that place with his life. When he saw people that were condemned to death, he looked for a way to preach the good news to them, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and they receive that life, and they are no longer condemned. So that's, Jesus was showing us an example of how to live, to relate with God, and to relate with men. Thank you, thank you very much, sir. Number three. Number three, Matthew 6.34. This is very important for every believer and anyone likewise for us to know. It's a very important teaching, Matthew 6.33, 34. Yes, okay. Matthew 6 34. It says, Nice. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You see why? This is one of the most powerful sayings of Jesus to me. Because God is omniscient, omniscient, He knows everything. What leads to anxiety? Anxiety comes from uncertainty. When people don't know what's gonna to happen tomorrow, they don't have any clear of what will happen next, people will be anxious. So anxiety will come from when people don't know what tomorrow holds for them. They don't know what's gonna happen any moment from now. So people are anxious. The natural response of a natural man is anxiety. Believe me, people will be anxious if they don't know. And that's what we tell us, it's not a motivational speaking to tell, okay, I don't know tomorrow, but I know the person that holds tomorrow. It's not motivation. It's just the truth. I don't know tomorrow, but I lean and I hold on to my uncle, Jesus, that knows the end from the beginning. According to Revelation chapter one, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, and alpha and omega. So is it not wisdom if I don't know tomorrow and to lean on the persons the person that knows tomorrow. So it is, Jesus understood the fact that people will be, will be anxious because of uncertainty. Fear also brings anxiety. People will be afraid. People are afraid of tomorrow. People are afraid of writing an exam. People are afraid of failure. People are afraid of um, the past. There are people that are afraid of how some people that are from um, broken homes or divorce. They are afraid that if I also get married, something like that can happen to me. People are afraid for various reasons. People are afraid of sickness. So God is, Jesus is telling people, is one of the most famous words of Jesus Christ. He was warning us against anxiety. There is no need to fear about our basic needs because if, he said, he talked about the sparrows. The sparrows are birds. They don't make any provision, but God feeds them. So how much more? You that are created in his own image. So not only did Jesus remind us of his great love and care for us, he also laid out our, pri our priorities. He laid out our priorities in that place. What is our priority before thinking of your needs without thinking of tomorrow. Seek ye first the kingdom of God 
and all the things that you are worried about, you are anxious about, are mere additions. Nobody seeks the kingdom of God first and still lives in worries and anxiety. God is going to take care of you. One of the ways to seek first the kingdom of God is what? Reaching out to the lost. If you reach out to the lost on a daily basis, there are certain things that you don't make requests for as a soul winner that God will just be adding to your life. So it is telling you our priorities. Our priorities is the kingdom of God. I seek first the kingdom of God. Everything that even the Gentiles are running after will be added to me. So it tells you your priorities and it tells you it relates with our human feelings that we'll be anxious based on our needs on provisions and fear of tomorrow, fear of success, fear of failure. If I succeed, how will I be able to sustain the success? So people are afraid for various reasons. For a believer, he's saying, do not be anxious for tomorrow. For your father already knows your need and your priorities is what? Seeking the kingdom of God first. And all of those needs will be added onto you. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very, very much, sir. Uh, like, it's a song that says, uh, uh, Because he leaves, I can't face tomorrow. Because he leaves, all fear is gone. Because I know he owns my future. And life is just the living, just because he leaves yes beautiful. so yeah beautiful our hope like our hope uh, lies in the resurrection of jesus christ absolutely yes so you know, first it, corinthians, you know first corinthians 15 first corinthians 15 said, tells us that if christ has no reason our faith will have been in vain yes. so there's no if there was no resurrection there will be no christianity today there will be no it will be just uh, one of the religions. Mm -hmm. And Christianity is not a religion, even though we have religious practices mm -hmm. in Christianity, but it is not, first of all, a religion. It's a, it's a life that was given to us. It's mm -hmm. a life. Because the resurrection of Christ is what differentiates Christianity from every other belief and faith that men have. Every leader of every faith, every religion died they have their tomb is there, but for our own Jesus, his tomb is there, but it is empty. Beyond every doubt, when he resurrected, you know what happened? So that nobody will doubt. In Matthew 28, there was an angel that rode away the stone. When the angel rode away the stone, the angel sat on the stone and waited for the disciples of Jesus to come so that there will be no doubt. He opened, he told them to look. The grave is completely empty. So our own savior, our Jesus, completed our redemption by resurrection. So if there was no resurrection, we will not be having this conversation today. We'll just be having an intellectual conversation, maybe based on intelligence. No, but what we are doing is a communication of life. Somebody can listen to this conversation and they can meet with Christ in their room. I'm telling you, 
just by what we, this conversation that we are having, they can listen to it, this will broadcast, and then the Holy Spirit can convince them in their room to become born again without we formally preaching unto them. So that's what the, the communication and conversation on Jesus does. It's the communication of a life because we were dead in our trespasses. But Jesus came to change the story. So it's, it's the beautiful thing. What you mentioned right now, every believer must know that something. There's nothing to hold about tomorrow if Christ is not risen. How do you become confident that tomorrow is settled? It's because you know Christ is alive. If not, we will also be anxious. So we are not, we, it's not that we are not, we don't have the tendency or capacity to be anxious. We are only not anxious because we have knowledge. We know that our Savior lives. If we don't know that our Savior lives, you and I will be anxious as well. Thank you, sir. And also another thing as well is that when he rose, and when he was glorified in heaven, the Bible says that God made him to be heir of all things. That means whatever the father has, he has as well. Absolutely. Now, like the Bible also says that we are now also, we are co-heirs with Christ. That means Absolutely. whatever Jesus, so whatever the father has belongs to Jesus. And Jesus has given us the privilege to actually share in his riches as well. Awesome. So now, Worrying about stuff is is a is a result of ignorance. Absolutely. When, when we know our identity in Christ, that we only have all things already, is there mm. already everything, the car, the money, the peace, every single thing it has already been provided in Christ. And actually, is there already in Christ? Bible says, ask and you will receive. Bible says, if you believe that you have mm. actually received it. Is yours already? Is is that that I work? So yeah. So when we lack our own lack knowledge of our, of our identity, we begin to worry and doubt. So I would like to say to anybody that is doubting right now, just just to know who you are in Christ, mm-hmm. and then and then you see that you are going to stop worrying. Awesome. Amen. What's the next one now? Four, I sir. love this one. Number four. Okay, let me yeah. go to one of the things. That put Jesus Christ in trouble. <laughs> That's uh, John chapter 10, verse 30. <laughs> As a matter of fact, the book of John is one of my favorite gospels. Yes, it's written by my favorite apostle, Apostle John, the apostle of love. Mm-hmm. John chapter 10, verse 30. He says, 